episode four, Inside Edge. Uh, it's been a while since we've done one. Yeah, no, it's been a few weeks, mate, <laughs> since since, um, since Billy was here and we, we did the football and the cricket teams. But uh, yeah, no, still uh, still ticking over. How's it? It's yeah, it's been alright, mate. Uh, it's well, I say it's been alright. It's been frustrating, obviously, not not playing and and not being able to to get out and train and you know do what I love doing, but. Um, you know, there's a lot, a lot bigger things at stake, and um, you know, people's safety is is paramount. So I, I can sort of understand that. I, I think it's not so much been. I, I don't, you know, I don't go out a massive amount anyway. So, you know, going to the pub or things like that, I haven't really, I haven't really missed doing that. Um, like I'll have a, I'll have a quiet beer at home or whatever, like that, and, and things like that. I'm not a massive go out socialised sort of person. Me and the missus go out for, a, you know, bite to eat occasionally or go to the cinema, but. I think the actual staying at home bit's not been the biggest thing. It's been for me is like not being able to 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 play and train and see family and things like that. So, you know, I'm slowly getting there, but you know, it's just a bit depends on you know how how much longer it is going to be really. Um, you know, there's no real end. I know we've had a bit of a, a a time on when the cricket might start again from the ECB, but if I'm being honest. Uh, I'm not. I'm not I'm really not holding that much hope for that. I think there's going to be international cricket, but I just can't see there being a great deal of county cricket, to be honest. So that's. Bit, I think that's the toughest bit mentally for me is you know not having a a kind of a something to train towards. You know, knowing knowing that there's a good chance. You know, I'm not really going to be playing much county cricket this year. Yeah, is it hard to keep yourself motivated because you still got to keep yourself ticking over, like fitness wise and that. But if you've got no kind of light at the end of the tunnel. It's kind of you still got to motivate yourself to try and get out there, aren't you? Yeah, look, I, I, I'm not gonna lie. I've never been someone who's loved running, who's loved, you know, going to the park and doing sprints, which is what we've got. We've been, you know, we've been asked to do, and you know, I don't, I, you know, I don't mind going to the gym and you know, trying to lift a few weights here and there. But I, I've always been someone who I've been pretty old school. I've always just, I've, I've, I've been bowling fit. I've loved bowling. You know, I've, I've bowled all day. And this time, this the time of year, you know, I'm normally getting right into my work and, you know, feeling good bowling wise. And 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 at the moment, you know, I'm I'm not able to do that. You know, I'm doing some road running, I'm doing some sprints. Like, you know, we've got our programs that that we have to sort of try and do. And it's been it's definitely been tough, you know, having to to stick to sort of that because there's there's no real scheduled training. You know, I've I've been a professional cricketer nearly, you know at 19 years and it's you know you with that comes you know schedules and 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 structure and things like that and at the moment there isn't any you know I'm, I'm sort of getting up having breakfast doing a few little bits and then thinking right, I'll go for a run and and it's not really the same so it's definitely yeah it's, it's hard and it's you know uh, this has been the, the the longest pre-season of all time I think really and and it's, it's <laughs> there's no real end in sight at the moment no, and it could be a case of when you when you get back into it. By the time you've just about got in your stride, got your your fitness back up, bowling, that'll be it. If even if we do have a little bit at the end of the season. Well, exactly. Yeah, I mean, chances are that there's not going to be much cricket, and then once you get get back bowling, you know, September rolls around, then it's October, November, and then you're back into pre-season training for the next yeah. season. So, um, look, it's yeah, I think it's, I've just got to try and take it week by week and, and try and do as much as I can. Um, I've got a little cheapo static bike that I bought a few years ago off eBay. So I, I do a little bit on that, you know, when, when I don't want to keep pounding sort of running on the road, but 
it's uh, yeah, it's definitely it's hard. I mean, I haven't got there's no I haven't got any gym equipment, so you know I can't really do too many weights, and it's it's, it's a matter of yeah, just just doing what I can where I can really, and, and then hoping that um, you know things get safer for people, and we and we might be able to start getting some cricket in, but you know that's a big if. Yeah, well, we're going to do a bit of a Q&A today. People have been sending questions and, and stuff mm. in on social media. We'll start, though, with because we've heard from other people that have come on about, about their careers to date and, and whatnot. So we'll start with, with yours, because I don't think I, I even know how you first got started in cricket and, and first got into the game. How did it all start? Well, um, so my dad used to play a bit of cricket, sort of league cricket in um, in Kent and around London, sort of area. And, um, I just used to get into it going, I used to go with him, when I was sort of five or six to watch the games and started enjoying it. And um, I'd just like be on the sidelines, set up three stumps and I'd just run in and bowl all day. And, you know, at that, that age, you've got so much energy. And, and so sort of my dad sort of realised that, you know, even though I was sort of five, six, seven, I, I actually had quite a nice action and I was getting, and all I was really doing was just watching him and watching the other guys play and sort of just mimicking them really. And then, um, I got as I got a little bit older, the groundsman at my dad's club he cut me a little strip off the side of the pitch, and um, I'd just bowl there again all day and and bat, and I'd bowl at the guys next going into bat, and um, it just sort of went from there. And then I I remember um, I think it was a guy called John Smith who was a selector for London schools, and he, he saw me in a school like we, we were playing quick cricket, you know, like with the blue stumps and the orange ball yeah, and yeah. things like that. Yeah, my school, Holy Family, was a really small primary school in Poplar. We and we went and we won a a, a London competition, so all the all the primary schools in London, and we actually won. And really, we weren't very good. Like we had a couple of guys who played cricket, bef- you know, a bit, a little bit, and so I, this I would have been seven or eight at the time, and and. You know, at that stage, I, I was actually get I was quite a lot better than the rest of these primary school kids. And I, and I, I remember we went to the Oval for the final of it all. And there was like maybe 15, 20 schools all on the outskirts of the outfield playing. And then we, we ended up beating a really posh sort of private school in the final, which they, they were actually absolutely spewing about. This this big private school um, had lost to us. And I, and I, I just remember, you know, it, it was all quite easy for me because I'd been playing you know two or three years and and I was whacking the ball and bowling and it was you know I was obviously had quite a you know a good base basis and and I had the good technique and things like that and um, there was a selector there called John Smith and he said come along to some some nets for London schools which is obviously the that's the count basically the county team of London so um Middlesex had their own area and and you know Kent but if you, if you weren't involved in those counties you played for London schools if you were from that area so okay. I, I played for them I went for well, went for some trials and nets and got straight in and um I remember I actually played my, my first game of cricket was when I was eight and that was for for my borough which was Tower Hamlets where I went to school and then my second game of cricket organized game of cricket was for London schools so I was eight and that was for the under 11 so I was playing three years under my age age group um and it was a big sort of big jump but it, you know what well, I took to it quite well I got I think I remember I got a, a couple of wickets in in my first over and sort of w- w- was away from there and and then John Smith the selector for London schools got me to his club team which is Wanstead um in London and they've they've got a real good 
um, youth set up there. They've, you know, uh, James Foster came through there. Um, there's been a few Essex cricketers come through there, and it's um, like a really big um, youth scheme. And, and I think to this day they still have a lot of kids. And, and that was really how it started. I played for for Wanstead in London schools right up, you know, through my teens um, till I was about 15, really. Um, and then uh, then that was when London schools finished at 15. Um, and I went to Middlesex was my county. I went to Middlesex for a trial. And I think it was in those days, it was very much like public school boy and very much sort of if your face fit. And, and I, I was going to a school in Hackney, you know, I was brought up in Hackney, which wasn't mm. the most fashionable area. Uh, it was a bit <laughs> of a war zone. And uh, I think they sort of looked at me, you know, saw, but I had, I literally had one net one net for half an hour and they said oh thanks for coming you know uh, we'll be in touch they were never in touch um <laughs> so yeah so re- so Middlesex was my county they showed no interest probably because I didn't go to a, a private school in, in 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 West London or something like that but anyway I went carried on playing club cricket for once did and I was playing an indoor tournament um in the winter and I did quite well and this Essex selector was there and he said come come along to Essex train and that was how I started at Essex really uh, just from an indoor tournament um the Ilford recorder indoor tournament or something it was called and <laughs> uh, and that was really how my, my county career started because I, I then signed well I joined Essex played for them for a couple of years youth cricket then joined the academy signed my first academy contract and then yeah the rest is history really was at Essex till I was 28 and then then came to to the the, the great club so I'm at now, which is Derby. So uh, then, then you finally made it. Yeah, then I then I'd made it to the to the to the Mecca. <laughs> Costed old Chad. Yeah. <laughs> Should we get into uh, a few of the questions? Yeah, perfect. Been, uh, Let's go for it. Um, what are the best and worst grounds you played on then over the over that time? Okay, so this will be a bit. I'm obviously a bit biased, but my favourite ground is is the County Ground Derby because I, I I absolutely love bowling there um you know I've played a lot of games there especially now that that, that we we've got a really good changing room um the, like the, the first couple of years changing in the in the old pavilion wasn't the most ideal it was quite small cramped um but now we've got a huge changing room over like really good viewing area um facilities there are brilliant great nets but I just love the ground you know love playing there love bowling there Done, done well there, and, and, and my, my number one ground is no matter I've, been, I've played at Test grounds, and, but still my number one ground is, is the County Ground Derby. Just love it, love playing there. Um, you know, seeing all the stewards, saying hello, it's just the whole experience of it all. Um, so that is definitely number one. Uh, Lords is is up there, just just for the I've never actually done that well there. I think my best fit, I, I think I took a four for there once, but that's that's literally the rest of the time I've gone around the park, but just playing there. The history, you know, the changing rooms, of the, everything, the, the lunches upstairs are unbelievable. I mean, you go upstairs and there's a fridge with all soft drinks in it and, you know, LucasAid Sports and Cokes yeah. and everything. And you, and you think, oh, my God, this is unbelievable. You get up there <laughs> and it's a three and at lunch, it's a free course meal. You get soup, you get like a really good main, like restaurant quality main, and then you get a dessert um, and lords is the experience but i didn't i actually didn't realize this until maybe last year that the fridge up in the lord's dining room which has all the drinks in it 
whatever you take from there, they total that up and they send that back to the club to charge. So <laughs> of an evening, we're like slapping back, like we're taking two or three cokes out of there every night and bringing them back to the hotel rooms. And, and we didn't realise that all goes back to the club. And I think the club actually got got the hump with us a little bit because they got a quite sizable bill one day because lads were literally just taking everything they could out of this, out of this fridge uh, at the top. But uh, yeah, Lords is, I mean, I've done, doing 12th man at Lords is the best and the worst thing in the world because you can eat what you want and just absolutely hammer lunch and tea because you know you've not really got to go out on the field and bowl and things like that and I mean, I've been on that balcony with a food coma many times when I've been 12. I've been 12 man at Lords a few times, but it's the worst because when a wicket falls, you've got to sprint down two flights of stairs through the long room, down another flight of stairs through the crowd and then straight out onto the field. So it's the work because it takes so long to get there. Um, so it's the best and worst place to do 12 man. But yeah, Lords is 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 right up, right up there um, in terms of that. I mean, worst grounds. I've never liked playing at New Road, um, the Worcester ground, because yeah. I've never done well there. The wicket's always pretty, well, whenever I've played, they're slow and low. Um, I don't just, I've just not liked the, the atmosphere. I think a lot, a lot of cricketers can relate to this and a lot of sports in general. Places they do well and they do badly, they kind of say, you know, they, they're grounds that they like and they, they dislike, you know, it's, it's, it's comparable to how you've done there. And I've been on the receiving end of quite a few beatings at, at New Road. So I think that, obviously, yeah, yeah I think that is a factor. Um, I've never been a massive fan of outgrounds. Um, and although Chesterfield, I love the look of Chesterfield and how it looks, I've just, again, that's another ground I've not enjoyed playing at because it, it's so fast scoring. You can go around the park there in a, in a session and just, you know, not having when, you know, you're a bit spoiled as a first class cricketer. You know, you have the, the facilities, the nets and things like that. And just when you go to outgrounds, it's just never the, quite the same. They, they do a lot of grounds, you know, they, they'll put nets up and they do things. But a lot of the outgrounds, they might not have a net on the side the way you can go. Because I like to if I'm if we we're batting first, say I like to do my bowling, do that. And then I'll go and have a little knock you know, once the game started, but some outgrounds, you're like, you don't even have a net where, so you, you've, you've just got to do some underarms into a net and you just don't feel quite the same. So, you know, you can get a little bit spoiled like that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when you play, when you play professional cricket. So yeah, outgrounds are, and I'm not going to name, you know, so I don't want to, you know, upset anyone, but outgrounds in general, I've never been a massive fan <laughs> of, um, but I appreciate that you, you've got to bring the game to other parts of the country and other grounds. And, and so I do, I do, think that is the right thing to do and um although we we had a very good win last year against Worcester at Kidderminster um so I will say that I, I did enjoy that ground because that was a really good good win we got bowled out for 100 first innings and, and then managed to win the game so you yeah, know they're not, they're not they're, yeah they're, they're not all bad but yeah I've never really enjoyed out grounds but um it, it's yeah it's I think I'm just yeah a bit a bit a bit too spoiled with 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 playing at you know great venues over the years but those, those would be I mean Derby's number one and, and Lords would be would be right up there number two and it's always nice playing at the test grounds anyway but I think those those two really are the two that stand out for me so probably no surprises there anyway <laughs> <laughs> well you talk about Derby and Derbyshire being uh, being your favourite another question was how hard 
did you find the move from Essex, obviously down south, down south where you where you're from, and, and moving up north? Because Derby yeah. is north to, to people, to us it's not, but to uh, to people from London it's quite far north, isn't it? So how did you find the the move? Yeah, I mean, look when I when I got released, I knew I was getting released by Essex pretty much sort of early to mid season. I knew it won't. I, I was very confident that I wasn't going to be Essex the next season, yeah. and I kind of my my thoughts then moved to you know where if I can I carry on playing cricket. You know, I felt like I was good enough, um, but. I needed to, to think about some other options, and then John Morris came to a, to a second team game uh, against. Es- I was playing against North Ants for Essex, and I, I, I did quite well. I got 10, 10 wickets in the match, um, and he said he'll be in touch. And um, I kind of spoke to a few people who I knew and trusted, and they said that it's a good place to bowl. Um, you'll probably get a bit more opportunity there than you might at Essex, because I was always quite, you know. Um, I was always the, sort of the easy man to drop at Essex, you know, even if I did quite well. Um, but this year, I was nowhere near the professional that I am, that I've been at Derby. And I've been a much more professional person. I've, I've, my lifestyle was 10 times better than it was at Essex. I wasn't, you know, I didn't cover myself in glory all the time at Essex in terms of, you know, I, I, I used to, I think this was, this is a bit of a throwback to, to when I first started playing professional cricket is it was kind of on the in the, in the changeover of the old guard where you used to go out drinking and smoking and things like that to to the much more professional fitness orientated game that, it, that we see today and and back then you know I, I got roped in a lot going out and I you know I, I try not to do much when I whenever I played first team cricket but you still you know I'm not gonna lie there would still be times when you know an old I won't name any names, but an old uh, experienced bowler might have dragged me out a few times um, to, to have a few, you know, sneaky pints somewhere. And um, and my injury record at Essex was was not not great um, compared to what it's been at Derby. And that and that's no coincidence that I've been a lot more professional person at Derby. Um, but yeah, that that was the, the 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 biggest thing was me was was thinking right, something's got to change here. I've got an opportunity here. John Morris signed me on a two-year contract. The first year was for 15 grand, which was a lot less than I was on at, at Essex. So that was a that was a big change, and that was a hard thing to kind of look at. But the second year was was what I was on at Essex. Um, so that first year, I actually lived in the top of a pub, the Bridge Inn, um, not far from the ground. Oh, I was yeah. living yeah. I was living in the, in, a, in a room at the top of that. So that was an interesting year, um, living there, living there, coming home and, and walking through the pub after, you know, after after days of cricket <laughs> uh, and then going straight up to my room. And, and you know, I, I remember a few few times being woken up by lock-ins and things at that place. And it was it was an interesting place with some interesting people there. Um, but, yeah, it, it was um, it was definitely, you know, I was on I was on a lot of money, so I had to kind of you know, sacrifice a few things and that living in, I had a, a, a little box room at the top there with, with a TV that didn't have an aerial and it was lent. It was, it was like a big, big plasma from the bar, but it was like one they weren't using. So I lent it on the wall. It, it wasn't even, didn't even have, it didn't even have a stand or anything or a thing on to stick it up on the wall. It was just sort of lent on the wall. So on the floor and I could connect, I could connect my PlayStation to it. So all I do is like you know, download movies to my PlayStation. That was literally all my, my that was my TV for, for a year. Um, so do you was, think 
do you think like that gives you a bit of a wake up call? Do you only know say about professionalism and whatnot? You come to Derby, you you're having to make these sacrifices. Is that a bit of a wake up call to go? Like, come on now, Tony, like let's do it and and make something of it, kind of thing. That wasn't the wake up call. The wake up call was getting a phone call from Essex saying um, we're not renewing your contract. That was in October, and that was before I'd signed for Derby. And even though I'd heard John Morris was interested in signing me nothing had come through yet and I was thinking right this could be it you know and and even though I knew I was getting I pretty much was going to get released anyway when it actually happens it's it's a lot different to actually when it happens um so that I had a few I had a good few you know couple of weeks in October where I was thinking I had a couple of weeks off and I thought right I'm I'm out of work here I need to kind of think about what I'm going to do and um, and then luckily John Morris rung me and said like come up to Derby and we'll have a chat and I'll never forget going up to oh, sorry that's my coffee machine going up I'll, I'll never forget going up to to the um, to the county ground and John invited me into the office he had an office just next to the old pavilion and he you know proper football manager style he had his feet on the table and he went come in lad and he signed slid this contract over to me and it was you know obviously the 15 grand for the first year and then it was you know more comparable money the second year and he said look that's all I can offer you I'll take it or leave it and he he, he knew he was a great man yeah. Johnny. <laughs> he knew what he knew I was mustered to sign um there was one more team that was potentially interested but they wanted to wait until January to decide and that was Sussex but once John offered me a contract and I knew it was a nice place to bowl and I kind of figured it was um, yeah, and and the, the and the move moving wasn't. I didn't mind about the moving living there because I knew Derby was. You know, I'd lived in Chelmsford for years, and I knew Derby was a, a similar size. I was living close to town, so I could walk into town, have coffee. That wasn't wasn't the big thing. I was two hours, two and a half hours from home. Um, my mum and dad used to come up occasionally, stay at a hotel, and we'd, we'd get. So it was that wasn't the big thing. Um, it was more the fact that you know I, I had to rein it in a lot sort of money wise and, and, and eating and things like that. And, you know, I, I must've had pasta bake three or four times a week like, because yeah. <laughs> I was all, I was all I could afford once my rent came out and, and things like that. So, um, yeah, that was, but yeah, it, it, the wake up call was definitely getting released. And, and then come January the 1st, we were in full time training. And then I think that was where I really started sort of knuckling down a bit and, and, and trying to look after myself a bit more. And I, I'm not, I still, would go out and enjoy enjoy life but it was a lot less than I was doing it at Essex and I think that that that's you know paid dividends you know over the long run for me yeah and you've obviously played Essex to Derby you played in Namibia as well where, where what stage did, did that come that was the basically the winter before my last year at Essex um what was that like the, was it brilliant best the best winter I've ever had hands down I've been to Perth twice and that was great but I loved the lifestyle in Namibia it was so chilled because Namibia is a huge country but it's very very spa like there's, there's everything spread out um and I just loved the pace of life there it was you know we'd get up when we didn't have a game we'd get up go to the gym do some training go have coffee have lunch back to the house and I was living with um a guy called Johan Rudolph who's Jacques Rudolph's dad 
Um, I was living with him. He was in the main house, and I was living in the the smaller house with two or three of the Namibian lads who mainly spoke Afrikaans. So that was interesting for the first month. Um, <laughs> and they, I don't think they warmed to me straight away because they spoke a lot of Afrikaans, even though they can speak English. <laughs> So after a month, I was thinking, oh, you know, is this really worth it? And it was good money. I won't lie. The, the money was good because you didn't spend it over there. It was the rand was strong. It was the million dollar. So, but it was strong, like, you know, to compare to the pound yeah. and, and everything was so cheap. I mean, you could get a huge fillet steak and a beer for like five quid. And it was um, so you'd hardly spend that. I wasn't paying any rent. So it was it was brilliant that like that that way. But. After a month, I was thinking, mm, this isn't how I kind of envisaged it. But it was then after that, the guys warmed to me a bit more. The cricket really ramped up. So we were playing three day games and one day games. So Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you'd play a three day first class game against the other provinces. like So Hauteng, you know, uh, all these other teams, um, yeah. uh, Western province and things like that. And, th- and then you'd play a one day game against them. And then you'd maybe have a week off or two weeks off and then you'd, another game. So. I really enjoyed that part, and I was the overseas player, so there was a bit of, you know, a bit on me to perform, and and I, and I did really well for them. Um, and then, you know, when we'd have like a week off, and we'd just drive to the coast, which was like four hours away, and stay in a, a cabin on the coast on the beach. No, hardly anyone there. For you'd pay like twenty quid for a week. It was that shit. It was that cheap. It was really? and you just and you just have beers and barbecues and brides, they call them on the beach, and it was unbelievable. Honestly, that you. I loved it every minute of it um and it was the cricket was very tough it was hard cricket we weren't the greatest team so that was even more emphasis on me to try and do well and I think that that was a big thing for me for my development was 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 actually I think that was when it sort of started when I realized that I've actually you know got to kick into gear a little bit more here um and I think that was definitely the beginning of of me becoming the cricketer I am I am now um so that that was that was a great I loved loved every minute of it we we had a tour to Zimbabwe a 2020 competition in Zimbabwe that we played um we came third in that and we weren't again we weren't very good um but we just we sort of came together as a team um I was looked after brilliantly there Johan uh, Jacques there looked after me brilliantly I'm still in contact with him today and um a great guy and, and all the Namibian guys in the end you know kind of took to me a little bit more spoke a bit more English to me and I'm still friends with a lot of them on, on, on Facebook and, and always follow their scores and things like that. So, it's, yeah, that that was definitely a, 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 a winter that I'll remember. Drunk a lot of brandy. They love a brandy out there. <laughs> but, uh, and, and, and ate a lot of meat. Um, I, I, I think I remember coming back thinking, thinking I was, it was about a month before I came back. I was probably a, a good two or three kilos heavier than I should have been. And, thought I'd better knuckle down because I literally all they just, just ate meat every day <laughs> briars and barbecues and, and then you'd have beers with it and even though I felt fit I just was I felt I was a little bit heavy than I should have been and I went like the last month I absolutely blitzed it and, and got down to the weight I should have been and, and um, you know the, what I should have been reporting back to Essex but yeah that was a fantastic win I loved, loved every minute of it We've got some some like quite specific questions now, like about different things within cricket. So we'll go through them like one by one. Is um this is one that I've always been actually quite interested in as someone yeah. who plays football rather than cricket. Sometimes you'd have a, like a ref turn up and you think, oh, we're not going to get nothing. We're not going to get anything today. Not with him. Do you ever like 
it, one of the questions is like, well, who's the worst umpire to get an LB decision off? Do you ever have like an umpire turn up and you think, oh, I'm not getting out off him? You've got, I'm not, I, I can't name names here because... <laughs> no, 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 you still play him. It might rob me of a few, but uh, there's definitely umpires who are more give in favour of the batsman in terms of their decision, so they'll give the benefit of the doubt, and there's definitely umpires who give the benefit of the doubt to bowlers more. Uh, and then there's some umpires who you just get on really well with, and sometimes they, it can work both ways, because sometimes they might think, Right, I, I like him, but I can't give him this decision because people might think it's a bit, bit of a favouritism. And then there's some guys who... So I'll say some of my favourite umpires um, that I, I, I like when they're umpiring, I like playing. Pete Willie was one, even though he's a bit... He's, you know, he's a bit Marmite. Some people like him and some people didn't just because he, he, had, he had a way about him. You know, he was quite to the point and, um, you know, quite a dry guy. And, and But I always enjoyed him umpiring. He always liked umpire in Derbyshire and, and I, I remember him you know he, he, he was always he, I don't know when, whenever we won he quite, I, I always sensed that he quite liked these sort of like the under because he played for um, Leicester so he played for a few of the smaller counties and I think he quite enjoyed us being you know maybe yeah. a smaller county and, and doing alright and um, so I always enjoyed him uh, Neil Malinder I like uh, a lot um, I get, I, to be honest I get on with all the umpires you know I try, I try and go out my way I don't think this is to try and get decisions from them, but I, I, I respect all the umpires in, in that, you know, the job they're doing and it's a tough, tough job. Um, and I've got a few mates who are, who are umpiring now that I played with. Um, James Middlebrook is, is, is coming through, you know, onto the first class list and played a lot of years with Ian Midders. And he was, he was sort of one, someone who took me under his wing when I was younger and not, didn't really know he showed me the ropes. And so I, I always try and go out my way and say hello go into the umpire's room and because and, I, I, I go and pick, I don't know if you know this, but when we, before we go out to bowl, you can go and pick the ball you want to bowl with. So there's two boxes of, of match balls and you can go and pick and you get a feel for the ball and, and you might have one in there that's a bit darker and you like the feel of it. And I always do that for, for us. And, and so I always get, you know, I've got a bit more of a closer relationship made with the umpires than the rest of it because I'll go in there and I'll nick a mint out of there sweet jar Edwin always Arrington always puts sweets out for the umps and I'll oh, can I nick a couple of sweets they're like yeah go for it and just stuff like that and I try and be you know a chat to because some some days you're in the field for a long time and sometimes it's, it's just nice to chat to someone you know yeah yeah so I might come I might swap with someone and go field at square leg just to have a just to have a yarn with someone for a bit um <laughs> in between balls and um so I wouldn't I wouldn't say there's any umpires who, who I'd say a you know, I'll give a harder for LBW decisions and things like that. But, you know, sometimes you disagree with an umpire and, and, you know, you think something's out and they give it not out. But, you know, that's just part of the game. Over the course of a season, it all evens out anyway. Yeah. But, um, yeah, Neil Malander, Pete Willey, uh, Michael Goff is a brilliant umpire. He doesn't really do much county cricket now, but I've, I've always enjoyed him. Um, Jerry Lloyd, you know, Jeremy Lloyd's and I've always liked um, when he umpires us and uh, he gives people out a certain way which I quite enjoy and and, and, and <laughs> when he gives out he sort of, he sort of goes that is out so when you get a, <laughs> when you get a decision off him and he said you know it's always it adds a little bit to it but um, yeah I, I I've I've always got on well gotten well with all the umpires and and I try and like I say go out my way to to speak to him and, and chat to him and it's it's a lot of them you know are ex cricketers who've played a lot of county cricket so you can get I mean Neil Malander I think he got like 900 odd first class wickets so when I'm short of yeah. an idea or I'm just thinking 
you know, it's great to chat to him and have guys like Pete Hartley that, you know, maybe they they, yeah. they shouldn't do, but they might say, oh, you, your wrist's a bit funny today. And like, because they've seen me bowl so much, they'll, they'll be like, oh. So just little things like that. And that's why it's always good to keep them on side. And because at the end of the day, you know, they're doing a job and you're doing a job. And it's, there's no point having any sort of animosity or anything like that with the umpires because, no. you know, it's not personal. So, um, yeah, that's, I've always in, tried to, 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 to be like that with them. I've always, I've always wondered though, is there any any verbal? Do you ever like you think you've got one plum, they've gone there, and you walk back and go, you've, you've got that one wrong now, I think, or try and get in their head for the next one, or is there any of any that goes on? Not really. Um, it might do. Uh, with, Not never, from you. I, I've no. never seen it, no, and I would never do that. I would say, well, I think that one's out, and at, at the end of the game or in the in their umpire's room, I'll go, oh, I'm, just, I'm sure you nicked that one, mate, and 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 stuff like that. But it would never be rude or never be no. anything other than just just a, a, a chat between like on the field. I would never go sort of. You'll get upset, and it's professional sport. You get you get fired up, and you know when a game's on the line and someone you think nicked it, you know you're gonna you're gonna believe that he's nicked it. But there's a line that you don't cross, and and yeah. I've, I would never cross that line because at the end, like I say, at the end of the day, it all evens up. They're doing a job like you, and sometimes they'll get it right, sometimes they'll get it wrong, and it's it's it you know you've got a split second. You're in the field. You've got, you've got to realize this. Umpires are in the field. They're they're the only t- the only players or the so the only people who are on that field every minute of the game. Yeah. And you know for the, for them to be concentrating so hard for that long, they're gonna make mistakes. And and I think that's the the bit the, the thing that you've got to realize is that. Sometimes they will miss one or they'll miss an inside edge LBW. And, and like I say, it all evens up. But yeah, I, I I would never be like that with an umpire because it's it's, it's just not it's not the right thing to do. No, no, of course not. And um, we've got a few more um, decent questions, these ones. I'm looking forward to a few of these answers. Um, apart from your, your 100 plus innings against the Aussies, which of your, uh, your batting performances has given you the most pride? I'm just going to say now, I didn't write this, this any of these questions. These are all been sent in. And this oh, no, 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 no. This one's for you. Yeah, no. People are like, oh, you're talking about his 100 uh, this, this one. I know this one in particular was sent in by the super fan, Di, uh, Diane Storo, who, who, big shout out to her. Um, she sent this one in and she's, I, I think, my number one fan, to be honest. So I think that's why she sent such a nice question in for me to answer. But yeah, she, yeah. She's, she sent this one in and... Um, She's always she's at every game. She's she's got mascots for all the players, and she always sits down in in the same area with the rest of the rest of the gang. Um, and so, big shout out to her um, and and love her to bits. And and she she's honestly diehard. Always comes comes to all the games. Um, so she she's so I spoke to her the other day. She's absolutely gutted about you know what's happening at the moment but she she obviously realizes it it's it's necessary as well. But um, so you know so that. 100 obviously that that is my highlight of my batting career and i'll and i'll live i'll feast out on that for years to come <laughs> i like how you played it down for, for, for two minutes and then yeah. got anyway my 100 but, that, Australia. <laughs> but, but i'm not going to talk about that but because the question is which other batting performance gives me pride um there's two for me that stand out that i've that i really enjoyed one was I got 60 odd against Hampshire in the last game of the championship season, 2012, when we won the championship, came in as night watchman. We were a couple down, uh, saw out the night. So I did my job there and I, and I could have got out next ball 
I could have got out first ball the next morning and I'd still done my job because that's all you do as night watchman. You just got to see the night out. Um, but I ended up next morning, I, I literally went ballistic. I, I, it was doing a bit and I thought I'm just going to chance my arm here. And I, I think I got 60 off about 40 odd balls and, and just was teeing off all over the place. Um, and we ended up getting up to, you know, a level score with Hampshire. Then we bowled them out and, and chased down 200. So that, that, you know, that was a really, in my eyes, it was a really important innings for me to, to be able to get us up to some sort of score and protect the batters a little bit. The ball was a little bit older than when the other guys came in. Um, and yeah, I got a lot of satisfaction from that and it was on Sky. So it's, it's recorded. I've got that saved on the Sky box. So whenever I'm feeling rubbish, I can go back and watch that and feel a bit better about myself. Um, and the other one would be, it was a couple of years ago at Swansea. Um, and we, we had to bat out the last day and it was spinning a bit. And I remember I came and then we, we were looking literally cruising along. And then we, all of a sudden we went bang, bang, bang. And I was getting my pads on thinking, God, oh, I'm going to have to sort of see out three or four overs here. Maybe like at the end, it turns out I've, I've gone in and there's still, I think it was two hours. I think it was like, I wasn't in that far after tea. Um, so, I had to sort of face a lot, a lot of bowling, and we couldn't win the game. So literally, all it was was I was blocking it out for the draw, um, and I can't remember how long I batted for, but it felt like an age. And I got 30 not out, just blocking it out for the draw, and that was really satisfying because we were, we'd lost a couple of games. We were trying to stop the rot. We were under a bit of pressure, um, and just being able to bat out a, a really hard fought draw was very satisfying and that and I was I was very proud of that I, I think I must have faced 100 odd balls or something like that literally all I was doing was just dead batting it pitch wasn't doing a massive amount for the seam as it was spinning a bit um but that that was definitely very satisfying um thing as well so so one one sort of tee off knock and one blocking it out um boring knock and, that, and th- those would be two that stand out for me yeah yeah, well, I was there at St. St. Helens for that Swansea game. I remember that innings. I was sat and watched mm. that. Um, one question I'm going to throw in, because I've always wanted to ask a professional cricketer this, especially a bowler. Is it true that they look at the, whether the tide's in or out or not, whether you want to bowl first? Like, if the tide's in, it swings more? Or is that, that is, rubbish? That is the rumour, yeah. So, I've played there twice now. I've played there three times, but twice with Derby. And both times when supposedly the tide I can't remember if it's when it's if it's got to be in or out but both times when the tide is where it is supposed to be yeah. when it swings it's gone it's hooped round corners and swung so maybe there is some truth to it um there's people who don't believe in atmospheric conditions affect the ball and all that I, I know they do because I've played days when it's been blazing sunshine and at Derby you always look up because when it's when it's sunny at Derby it's nice yeah, a lot not... nicer to bat when it's cloudy and dark and dank it goes all over you know it nips around all over the place so I don't care what anyone says about the atmospheric conditions don't affect the ball and all this rubbish it 100% does um, and so yeah it, the both the both times when the the tide was apparently where it's supposed to be when it swings loads at Swansea. It, def- it definitely did. So maybe there is some truth to that. Yeah, because I uh, did a bit of commentary with Fletch on that game and we were debating it with the 
Radio Wales commentator for about two and a half hours. Uh, <laughs> Fletcher aren't having any of it. I don't think. Really? Yeah. Well, no. Yeah. There's some people who don't who don't believe it. They don't believe anything affects anything. But I I know I 100% know it does. Um, yeah. I, I'm I'm a big believer in in grounds that are really enclosed, so not many um, gaps or this like a a real like hidden from the elements a little bit I, I think i think it does it swings at those grounds as well um yeah. because the wind's not affecting it and, it and the ball's doing it. so yeah i'm uh, maybe i'm just a bit too too much of a badger in terms of cricket and things like that but yeah i'm, I'm always looking at oh, where's it what's happening here this this look look at that cloud coming in that cloud comes in will be um and you always get urban myth stories like keith fletcher at essex apparently used to have the clouds on demand like if, it, if he if he won the toss it was sunny and he won the toss and he and he bowled first he just he'd click his fingers and all of a sudden the cloud would all roll in and you know all that stuff so i'm not sure that happens but um i definitely think atmospheric conditions and things like that and, and other things can affect it yeah yeah well I've, I'm, I'm glad that popped up actually swansea because I, I would never have thought to ask that like that but I've, yeah i've always wanted to another one um it seems whichever Derbyshire coach um, the clubs had in have, have always decided not to play in the T20s, and they've always like rested you. We've, we spoke before about your timeshare in Devon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> has this has this been frustrating for you? Would you have Would you love to have a, have a play, or when you see like the bowlers getting getting smacked around a little bit, are you glad for the rest and and played in the championship? Look, I I would love to have played more white ball cricket for Derbyshire, um, uh, but. You just never know how that would have affected, you know, would I have been able to play as many first class games as I've played? So you kind of give and take with that. Um, so I'm, I look at in the long, at the end of the day, I'm not, I'm not that annoyed about it really. It's, it's just, it, it is, it is what it is. And I think it kind of started my first year. Um, I was bowling a lot of overs in the Red Bull team, um, and. Johnny Morris sort of said, "Oh, well, you can rest this, and we'll keep you fresh." Because I think I think coaches do like I was saying in one of the other podcasts. I think coaches do enjoy having guys they can count on, in, a, in a, especially in a in a certain form of cricket. And I, I think since I've been at Darwish, I've always been someone who kind of they can count on in first class cricket. You know, I've had decent touch with decent injury record, and I've played a lot of games, and I think I've averaged sort of eleven or twelve games a year in Championship cricket, which for bowlers is pretty good. So I think it's been like that, and and I think coaches quite enjoy that, and they think right, well we'll save him for the we at least we'll, like we know we've got him in ready for the championship game, so we'll we'll, we'll look after him there, and um and I think I've never really been sort of you know the white ball doesn't do a massive amount, and and I think I've never really been you know a, a, a rapid bowler, and and I've always relied on a bit of movement and things like that, and a bit of guile, and although I've got you know I've, I feel like I've got good skills to bowl in white ball cricket probably the this the area where i would bowl in white ball cricket and i'm best suited we've always they're always more all-rounder roles so like you know yozza's always bowling the middle overs and recent years reese's bowling the middle overs and things like that and that's that's probably where the best place i would bowl you know mm. bowling straight with a keeper up and and things like that uh, bowling with a new ball in white ball cricket especially nowadays and especially the pace i bowl it's you know, it would be hard work on some of the pitches we play on and I would get targeted, I think. Um, not to say I don't think I could do a job because everyone gets targeted and everyone, but I think there's, now, especially nowadays, you need 
with a new ball, you need someone with a bit more pace, a bit more hit the pitch. Um, and in the middle overs, it's generally all rounders do that job. So you can sort of fill, you don't have to fill the slots, fill the team with bowlers and you've got a bit more batting. And um, mm. I think that's, that's kind of area. And, and it kind of just snowballed from there from my first year. Then the second year we were obviously doing really well in the championship. So Crick would rest me for that. And like, that was where it was coined, you know, get, get yourself to Devon. So I'd, <laughs> I didn't go to Devon, but you know, I've got, I've, I wasn't playing any white ball cricket because, you know, I was trying to stay fit and strong for the Red Bull stuff. And I played every game that year. So that, and we won the championship. So that worked very well. Uh, and then kind of, I think it's just, it's just snowballed from there really. You know, um, I've played, I think 2014 was, I played my most amount of white ball cricket, 50 over cricket. And we got to the quarterfinals. So we did pretty well. And I had, a, I had a quite a good year, but like I say, it's, I think it's just one of those things where, some coaches might not fancy you as well as a, as a white ball player. So it's, and I think, you know, so I don't think it's anything sort of sinister with it, but just, you kind of might get, you can get pigeonholed as a red ball cricketer and maybe, maybe mm-hmm. I have, and, and then, and maybe a part of it is just, yeah, staying fit for red ball cricket. Really? Yeah. Was it, was it tough to be on the, like in the squad and like, on the periphery with, with all the other, like then that's going to finals day, but not actually being involved and walking out. Was that tough or are you just happy for the, for the boys getting out there. I was absolutely over the moon for, for the lads. Um, and I wasn't worried at all that I wasn't there or in, in a playing capacity. That didn't bother me one bit because I, I, hadn't, I hadn't played a game. I didn't deserve to be there. I was there for support and I loved every minute of it. Um, I was gutted we didn't, you know, do ourselves justice because we had a really good tournament. But I think, you know, once we, we're back playing cricket... I think we've got, you know, we've got a very dangerous white ball side and, and I'm looking forward to seeing how that um, progresses, really, because I think we, we definitely got the chart, the opportunity and, and the team to be able to, to compete for some trophies, especially in white ball cricket. This is the uh, the next question is the one I've been looking forward to because I love these kind of, these kind of questions. What's the, um, the top three blow ups you've seen in the changing room? <laughs> <laughs> OK, um, I'm definitely known for... For the odd blow up, um, you know, I've, I've I've belted a bit of equipment before, and and you know, I, I'm quite fiery. Especially, I don't know what, what I get really when I get out. I get really annoyed, even though batting's not my strength. I don't know why. I just get so annoyed with it, and I've, I've definitely had a few where guys have had to walk out of training because they're laughing that much at me, and I'm, and they don't want me to see them. But. Um, I would, if I had to say a top three that I've enjoyed myself watching. So the first one would be Nasser Hussain in 2003. He's coming to the end of his England career. Um, this is my first year on the professional style. I'm not even signed at the moment. I'm just on an academy contract, but I've played a couple of games. I was doing 12th man in a one uh, white ball game, 40, 40 over one one day game. And Nas came back from England duty to play, to get a bit of cricket in. And he got off the mark and he's at the other end. And Darren Robinson, who was batting with him, knocked one to cover, called through yes, barbecued him out of sight, direct hit. But Nasser's run out for one, faced two balls. So he's, he's come back for a hit. <laughs> he's been run out and I'm running the drink on to Robbo. And, and, and I can see Robbo's not too pleased that he's run out, the, you know, the former England captain and Essex legend and... It was definitely all his fault. And, and as I've run past Nass, I've just heard him chomping, like saying something under his breath. He gets into the chart. I get run up to the other side. I've got to see this. 
So I'll sprint back and I'll <laughs> drop the drinks off and I'm so I've, so I've got to see this blow up here. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I love I love stuff like this. So I run up to the changing rooms and Nass is in his spot in the back of the changing room, absolutely tearing strips <laughs> off Robbo, Darren Robinson. Oh yeah, Nass, come back for a hit, come back for a little knock, mate. Get yourself a bit of practice. <laughs> no chance. No, and then I, I can't, I won't swear, but he's absolutely <laughs> effing and blinding. Yeah, come back. Yeah, England captain, England legend. Yeah, yeah, come back and have a little knock, Nass. <laughs> and he's he's spewing that he's been run out. He's, so he's, he's wasted his day now. We're batting first as well, so he's he's faced two balls or one ball. He's got one. He's been run out, and now he's got to wait and watch everyone else bat and then go and field. <laughs> so you can tell he's, <laughs> he, the steam's coming out of his ears. Um, so that that was definitely one I really enjoyed, and I, I actually had to walk out the change room at one point because I was gonna I was crying with laughter just at some of the <laughs> things he was saying. He was calling Robbo everything, um, and it, it's it was def, that was definitely a brilliant one. James Foster at Essex was renowned for real, what we call a delayed snap. So <laughs> he loved the delayed snap. So so Fozzie would get out and he'd walk up to the change room, all really calm. And he's a very calm, measured guy anyway. Get out of the change room and he'd sit there, take his pads off, fold his pads up, straps, gloves in the bag. And he'd just sit there, breathe, and you could hear him. He'd go... <sighs> And it'd be like a, it'd be like a timer, a countdown. So there wasn't one in particular with Fozzie, but this is just an amalgamation of a lot. And he just sit and he, and he think, oh, two, three minutes maybe. Like, or will, it, will this be a longer one, like ten minutes? Anyways, then he goes, <laughs> Foster, you, you are useless. You are, and he's swearing at himself, calling him, weak, 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 weak. <laughs> Absolutely, just berates himself for the next forty minutes tearing strips off him off himself could say we call himself everything and he might have just got 70 or 80 uh, it didn't matter what stage or what how he got out he just literally was was one of those delayed snappers he'd sit in the change room and be sp- just spewing with himself but really quietly and then he'd go and he'd be and the, you wouldn't you'd, you'd just hear him going for the next 20 30 40 minutes just flying then he'd stop maybe and then he'd go again, and it was just he, those were epic blow-ups, those <laughs> long blow-ups with lulls in between. Um, but the but I, the number one, and this is there's a story behind this why this is my favourite because so the, this actually, this question actually came from Neil Broom, <laughs> who played <laughs> with us for a year, a top top guy, loved playing with him, really funny, hard as nails, but dry, good humour, um, and a real and he was he was in a bit he was in a, a bit of a rough patch form wise he was struggling a little bit and Broom used to get really down on himself when he was struggling um, and we go to Colwyn Bay against Glamorgan and it's the hottest week imaginable it is so hot this ground has, hasn't got any shade we we the viewing area is on a tarmac roof so the heat is just blowing up off this tarmac we bowl first. And Aniron Donald gets the fastest double century in first class history. He just oh, wow. goes absolutely mental, hitting the ball everywhere. He gets it off 100 balls. Second new ball comes, Ben Cotton's bowling, Aniron Donald, first ball, ramps him out of the ground, and he just went ballistic. So we're, in, we're behind the eight ball big time here. They've got about 550 first innings. We go out, I think we get rolled out for 
160, 170. So we're back. We obviously they're made to follow and we're following on. Now everyone's frazzled here because the hotel, the club had, had tried to book a hotel, hotel, but had booked it too late. So we were staying in literally 40 towers. This hotel was <laughs> diabolical. It had no aircon. Bearing in mind, this is 35 degrees this week. No, no aircon. All they had was a fan that blew hot air around your room. I slept two of the nights with a wet towel on me just to start trying to stay cool. Lads were going, and, and I won't, won't know who it was, but a couple of lads went down to the bar at midnight and necked two pints just so they could get themselves a bit lagging to try and fall asleep. This is how bad it was. It was wow. so hot. It was the hottest uh, week of cricket I've ever played. So we're following on. Broomy is about to go out to bat. And, and leading up to this, he'd got a couple of bats sent through, these new bats from Grey Nichols, which were like shorter. I can't remember if they'd sent him the shorter ones or he'd get them trimmed. Basically, they were short blade. So the, the normal blade, you can get long blade, the normal length, and these were short blade. Yeah. So I'm like where I'm like sort of looking at it and thinking, oh, they look small, Broomy. Like, like you sure about these bats, mate? And he's like, yeah, yeah, mate. They, these, these are top draw. <laughs> Anyways, he goes out and he gets yorked. It goes under his bat um, <laughs> and gets cleaned up. And I can see him walking off. Um, and I'm like padded up now, ready to bat. Because we got, I think we got like, we ended up nearly winning the game. We got 500 on in the second innings and they had to chase 150. And we had them like six, seven down. So we nearly won. But I'm waiting to bat second innings. And I'm on. I'm nearly passing out from the heat. Literally, you know, I'm next in and I'm, and I'm sweating. And I'm nearly falling over just because my mind's nowhere. And anyway, I see Broomy walking up. And I think he's going to absolutely go. And Broomy was the guy who coined the delayed snap phrase. So he was a big <laughs> delayed snapper. So he walks into the changing room, sits down. And he looks at his bat, this short blade bat that he's got. And he looks around and sees, and he he says something derogatory about the bat, and he goes into the into the, the showers. The showers. It's a real small change. He goes into the showers, and he just proceeds to beat the floor with this short blade <laughs> bat, smashes it. And he's a big, strong bloke, Broomy, and he smashes this bat to absolute pieces, breaks it in about five bits, and then sit. And then he just sits for the next twenty minutes, just berating himself like, "What are you thinking, mate? Short blade? A short blade? What are you doing?" <laughs> How can you use a short blade bat, mate? Like, you're losing the plot. You're losing the plot, mate. <laughs> and he just he just finishes himself for the next half an hour. Um, and I remember all the lads, and it was in a week that was a tough week, that all the lads were was literally sick because the changing was so small, everyone could hear it. And we were all out just outside, hands over our faces, crying with laughter <laughs> at, at Bruiser, smashing his bat to smithereens. And then just basically saying why he's asking himself why he's using a short blade bat. Um, never done it in his, you know, played a lot of cricket, international cricket, never used one, but thought he'd use one this game and, and got, and the ball, got went, under, got your, ball went under his bat. Um, so that, that, that would be incredible. But, 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 but Bruzy, yeah, what, what a legend. Of, and um, yeah, good, good question from him. Yeah, that's class. I like that expression, delayed snap. Yeah, the delayed snap, mate. Yeah, nothing better. Yeah. The, um, there's only a couple left. Um, the uh, the other side of the changing room, who are the, like the funniest, like the funniest people of, like that, around character wise? Is anyone that used to be like you couldn't leave your shoes, or do you know what I mean? Yeah, the odd story. Yeah. Things happening and all that. Pra- Yoza currently, he's not a practical joke because he doesn't do things like that, but he's very funny. I enjoy 
chatting to very him. Dry, isn't it? Yeah, very dry. And so he's he's definitely in the change room at the moment. And he always whenever we have social nights or things like that, he always runs that and he's brilliant with that. So Yoza currently is fantastic in the change room for for humour and jokes and fun and things like that. Um in back in the day, David Wainwright was one for just he was just funny he, he always had these apps that he'd download and he'd take pictures and he'd be filming guys and he'd throw he'd just throw stuff at you you'd like you'd be sitting <laughs> on your phone and he'd, he'd be filming it and he'd just pick up an orange and just throw it at your head and, and he'd be filming it and then he'd you know you could do the slow-mo of it <laughs> after and he just and he'd just send that to you after and like just, just things like that with wayne is but he was wayne is a very very funny guy dry brilliant he used to do vid he used to do these videos as well so he'd like do impressions of you with your head on something else and then he'd edit it and it would be like a whole saga of this so things like that he, he loved the uh, doing an app things like that but wayne is <laughs> definitely someone who for, and and wayne is funny because he was he, we used to call him bane because he was so skinny we used to take the mickey out and call him bane from batman obviously cause he's the <laughs> complete opposite of that um but he, he he was he looked so fragile like when he got when he got hit um remember we were playing at, uh, at Headingley and it was raining. And this was the year we had Shiv Chanderpaws overseas. And Shiv's practice re- regime before a game was he'd put the bowling machine on 95 miles an hour or 90 miles an hour and four in-swing on the bowling machine and he'd just block it. with wouldn't have a lid on and he'd just be blocking it. Block, block, block. And so like all the lads started seeing this and thinking, oh, I might have to try that. So we all go over to the indoor <laughs> school at Headingley, rain delay, and think right should we give this a go so Wayne is a left-hander but thing with Shiv was was chest on and all he did was put his back there and he and he could access the ball Wayne is very side on player and he's very sort of you know old school side on yeah you know Yorkshire cricket (laughs) anyway he's got this in swing four 90 mile an hour and someone puts the ball in and Wayne is because he's so side on he can't get his bat in the way in time and the ball gets flush on the kneecap He's got he's got pads on, but it's hit the it's hit the little bit under the flap under the um, knee roll, and yeah. and he's just gone over like a sack of spuds. And all you heard was this <laughs> cry. I was like, ah, ah, my knee, my knee. <laughs> and he's absolutely rolling around the floor. First ball, this is mind. The, the other than Shiv's face, he's rolling around the floor. Just things like that. Went, like he, even when he wasn't trying to be funny, Wainers would be funny. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and and so, someone who else was was very funny was Mark Turner, very very funny guy. I'm still you know in in touch with him a lot um, today. Good friend. Um, but he used to he used to we had an SNC called Luke Story, and he used to bully him like friend like nicely. It wasn't like he was they were friends, but he just used to do stuff to him. Like I remember <laughs> we were training one day, and Story came in and was like buzzing about these boiled eggs he'd made in the morning he's like oh, I can't wait for lunch got to make some boiled eggs I can't wait I'm looking forward to them so like Tina's thinking oh, I, can, I can see something going around he's like he's going to do something here so it gets to lunch and Story gets these boiled eggs and he peels it and he's like oh yeah he puts a bit of salt on it and he's like yeah I'm going to slap these back as he goes to put it in his mouth Tina just slaps it out of his hand and stamps on it <laughs> just stamps on his boiled egg and he's like Tina what is it like, he's absolutely spewing um and then he like runs away with his other two eggs that he had and eats them somewhere else and then i think a couple of weeks later he brought in a, a tangerine or an orange or something like that and he was like again going oh, i can't wait for i'm gonna smash this orange back 
peels the orange and Cena just grabs it off him and lobs it full length of the indoor skull and it just splats on the window at the end and he's just like just stuff like that that Tini used to do um, but he, I, I roomed with him a lot as well so he, he was always a funny guy but th- those would be the guys who I think would stand out most for, for stuff they've done and just my kind of humour as well but yeah good times <laughs> it's really made me laugh that that's one of um, um, right, last question because there was another question you want to create a highlight, but I think you've answered that on a previous podcast, haven't you? I think yeah, I, yeah, yeah, 2012, so you know, winning yeah. the championship there. But and, uh, and uh, if, last one, then uh, have you got any any regrets from your career? Yeah, do you know what? Like I said early on in this in this podcast, was I didn't do myself justice at Essex. I think I I wasn't like I said, I wasn't as professional as I could have been. Um, used to enjoy going out um and definitely didn't they didn't see probably the best of me um and I think it was a bit of give and take you know I, I even when I was sometimes when I was fit and I was doing well I'd, I'd still get dropped but other day, other times I didn't help myself I'd be doing well and I'd get injured because maybe I wasn't fit enough or I'd not I'd been burning the candle at both ends and those would be the regrets I think big big regrets for me but at the end of the day it kind of if I hadn't done that, maybe I wouldn't have gone to Derbyshire and maybe I wouldn't have been released and maybe things would have worked out a bit differently. And I wouldn't have wanted that because, you know, being at Derbyshire has been the best thing that's ever happened to me, you know, in, in terms of cricket, you know, signing for this club and doing well and, and, you know, being looked after so well here. So mate, you don't know how things would have turned. So things do happen for a reason. And I think those things I did at an early age made me grow a little bit quicker once I got to Derby and realised what I needed to do. And it's a good thing that I've I've learnt that and, and done those things because now I can sort of pass that on to the younger lads at Derby and, and, and speak to them and go like, look, I've been there, done that. I know what you've got to do and, and this ain't what, you know, you, you potentially have to do. And, you know, I've, I've, I'm sort of, you know, I've, I've done all those things and, and, and all the things that seem important back then and, and, and are good fun. Um, so there's regret there in terms of you know I didn't do myself justice I don't think and um, but at the end of the day I think that kind of made me a little bit stronger made me realise what I needed to do once I'd been released and signed for Derbyshire and and so that that's a that's a big regret for me um, I think playing wise the, when we played not in the quarter final at in 2014 yeah. at Trent at Trent Bridge that I really that that's a game that hurt because that year we'd played really good cricket and we're playing a big game against Notts at Trent Bridge you know quarter final we're not renowned as a white ball side so we're punching above our weight anyway and, and we didn't do ourselves justice and I, I didn't bowl particularly well that game um and that, that's one that I'll, I'll always think back on I think oh, I've you know that would have been nice to have done a bit better in that game and got to a semi-final potentially and beaten knots and so yeah that, that that'll be a game that's, that's quite sore when I think about it how we'd played good cricket all that year and we'd saved our worst performance literally for that game um so that that's that's a regret playing wise but I haven't really got a massive amount of other regrets to be honest it's you know I've been I've I've been very lucky to have played professional cricket you know for a long period of time and not 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 many people do get get that chance, so I think it'd be it'd be silly to have too many regrets, really. No, and judging by that podcast, it's been a 
It's been an entertaining one as well. Yeah, that's really, it's been some good that's really, yeah. yeah, that's really entertained me today, mate. <laughs> it's been a, it's been brilliant. I think it's been probably one of the one of the best ones we've done. I've I've been in stitches around here. I don't really make a noise when I laugh. For some weird reason <laughs> why I've been I have been laughing my head off. Hopefully, uh, hopefully the <laughs> listeners enjoy it. So, but you know, I'm glad glad to have shared that. And uh, yeah, everyone, I hope everyone stays safe and and looks after themselves. And um, yeah, hopefully catch up soon. <laughs>